0: You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country.
1: (laughs) Stop laughing! (laughs) And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too.
2: Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening,
3: everybody. Welcome to another edition of Why Are You Laughing? A history of comedy podcast. Today, not at the Vaulted Podcast Studios yet again, but uh, here in the uh, StreamYard world. Uh, today, I'm pleased to introduce you to Mitch Hedberg and my very special guest, Carl, from Who Are These Podcasts. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, what's happening, Mike? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a big fan.
3: My pleasure. It'll it'll be very weird because my understanding is you like Mitch Hedberg.
0: Is that right? I'm a huge Mitch
3: Hedberg fan, yes. Okay, I've only ever heard you shit on things, so this will be an odd experience <laughs> this for This will be a little bit weird, yes. <laughs> be yeah. If we start floundering, we can bring up uh, stuttering John or something. Yeah, yeah. I usually bring him up anyway. By the way, shout out to Carl. Craig was uh complimenting him. The, the one, this is the only two people that have ever promoted this program, Kirk Minahan and now Carl when he was on with Anthony Cumia. So I appreciate it. Yes. I've been binging this,
0: uh, this show. And I really enjoyed the sex for Sam episode. And I was talking to Anthony about it on his show. The, the point you brought up that was so brilliant was here you had a, a sponsor, a corporate sponsor right. for a stunt that was illegal. Go have sex in public, and you can win this prize from Samuel Adams. Like, right. How, like, how, like, sure, Opie
3: might have shit on management that day, but, but <laughs> the lawyers should have stepped in.
0: Yeah, I, just, I couldn't believe that they were getting away with that. And post-2001, too, post-9-11. It's crazy.
3: Yeah, truly, truly bizarre. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. Um, and before we get into Mitch Hedberg here, I should mention, uh, I've, you guys have heard me bring up who are these podcasts a lot on the blind mic project. Carl's been nice enough to have me on a couple times. I love doing it. So if you've gotten into it and you'll be in the Nashville area or can make it down there on May 14th, you said May
0: 14th, we're doing a live show tickets available. W a T P live.com. And yeah, most people are coming in from out of town. It's just going to be a party. It's going to be a blast. We actually have a stand-up show that we just booked for later that night with Shuli Egar, formerly of Howard Stern Show, and Vinnie Paulino from the Creep Off, and Who Are These Podcasts. Nice. So we're doing a a live taping of Who Are These Podcasts, and then we got a stand-up show
3: later that night. Sounds awesome. If I yeah. uh, didn't just drive all over the country, I'd try and make it down there. But um, yeah, so go check out WATP Live. What do you guys do in a live show, by the way? What's a WATP live show like? We run it just like
0: a regular show. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've seen other, there's certain podcasts, if they do a live show, I don't listen to that episode. This is not like that. This yeah. Is- where like
3: I, you know, there's been talk about me doing a live show and I don't know how I would do it. Cause I would want to make it an event, but wouldn't, I feel like I would suck at it really badly.
2: So maybe that's what I should do is just that's a regular podcast. Great. There you go, buddy. That sounds like you have the the right attitude for it. (laughs) I keep needling him. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh,
3: So let's get into Mitch Hedberg, who is probably the most requested. Anytime I ask people uh, what comedian should we do, Mitch Hedberg, I get the most often, most frequently. And he's a strange guy because I think he's underrated in a lot of ways. And I do think he's overrated in some ways. So it's a strange dynamic. But I wanted to start with this, Carl, because I wanted your take. As a Mitch Hegberg fan, do you think he's become a little overrated in the sense of, because I was thinking about this in comparison, I hear him lumped in with, like, Patrice and Greg Giraldo a lot, because, you know, three dead comedians long before their time. Sure. Um, so I think of Patrice and Greg as got voices that would be like, so amazing to hear what they thought of now, whereas Mitch Hedberg, I don't think of that way. And I think he's kind of lumped in with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, because Mitch didn't have
0: any like hot political takes or anything like that. Everything was just silly with them. Um, totally but, silly.
3: And in a weird way, we need that now, but it's just not as I don't think the the market would be there for it as much.
0: Well, to your question about whether he's overrated or not, it's interesting because I first saw Mitch Hedberg open for David Tal and Lewis Black. There were right. there was some like comedy central tour they were on, and I did not know who Mitch Hedberg was. I'm a huge David Tell fan. So we go and he blew me away and he blew the audience away. But there are people like my wife who do not understand why he's funny at all. Right. So right. it's it's very interesting that there's all these people who think he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. And then there's, I don't know, maybe half the population is like, I don't get it. I don't even right. understand why. And you he's know, why, it's it.
3: funny you say that because I was thinking of we talk about like who um Uh, who comedians influences are and who they've influenced a lot. And one guy I kept thinking of, and they came up with kind of around the same time, but I kept thinking of Norm MacDonald as I was watching Mitch Hedberg, kind of because of the same meandering sort of delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Norm MacDonald was plagued by the same thing. And I think he kind of liked that and maybe Mitch did too, but when I hear people say, I don't get Norm Macdonald, and it's kind of the same with H- Mitch Hedberg. If I hear someone say, I don't get it, it's like, well, then you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, how do you not, it's brilliant. How do you not understand this?
0: That's how I feel too. And it's funny, we were just hanging out with um, my wife's brother and, and his wife and some friends. And we were talking about comedians that we liked and Mitch Hedberg came up and there a couple of people who were like, I don't get it. So we watched his Comedy Central special. And you know, you get a few chuckles from people, but like they, literally they watch it, they don't get it. It's so bizarre to me because I can't see it as anything but genius and hilarious.
3: Yeah, well, he's not a guy. So he's a, a guy that and the reason I, you know, kind of lumped him in with that group is because he's a guy that did not have great success during his life. Like while he was alive, he was not the this name that everybody knew. Um, you know, he kind of struggled, particularly at the end of his life, but he struggled a lot. Like his big break was Letterman in the mid 90s. And then from that, he got Just for Laughs. And off of that, he got Comedy Central Presents, which um, I've I referenced this a ton because I was a kid. I was probably, you know, eight or nine when Comedy Central Presents started. And if you turned on Comedy Central at any hour of the day, it was either playing Dane Cook, Jim Gaffigan, Nick Swartzen, or Mitch Hedberg in these okay. half-hour Comedy Central Presents. So you would see Mitch Hedberg over and over again. But it didn't seem like that launched him the same way. Like those three other guys went on to amazing success. And at least during his life, Mitch Hedberg, I don't feel like had that.
0: Yeah. And so Mitch's problem was that he was such a pure stand-up that they couldn't figure out what to do with him. So he got the deals. They wanted him to have a sitcom. He got on that 70s show. He had some appearances in movies, but he never really fit any of those moles. And actually I brought a clip that I wanted to play Because he got, you know, a $500,000 deal from Fox. They wanted to somehow build a pilot around him. And then they could not figure out what to do with him on a TV show. And he was on Howard Stern. And uh, I have a clip called Sitcom Idea that just kind of goes to show you why he didn't work out in Hollywood. All right, let's hear that.
4: Did anybody give you a script to read, or? Uh? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people. I met with a lot of people, and uh, they all had weird ideas. Like the guy who writes with Mike Judge on that cartoon. Uh, uh, what about the Texas family? The cartoon. I don't know the name of it.
1: King of the Hill. King
4: of the Hill. He. I met with his partner, and he said, "I see you as a tennis instructor."
0: <laughs> You're
4: kidding me. Oh, a, a tennis instructor.
0: <laughs>
4: and like, was there any, like an edgy tennis? Because you're kind of an edgy guy. I mean.
0: A tennis instructor on Xanax. <laughs> Did he know you at all? <laughs>
4: so no, I see, see just... you as like a drug addict. Or <laughs> drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's like, I think he would have fit better to like a, a drug addict. Would have like, oh, it's know. funny.
3: It's funny, though, because that's true. It's weird that they wanted Mitch Hedberg to fit some kind of role. Cause now I think he would have some kind of gritty dark comedy on Netflix or something that yeah. might actually work. So Slate's Sam
0: Anderson wrote that the reason it didn't work was because Hedberg's style couldn't be turned into broad social humor that plays well between commercial breaks. Sitcoms aren't about jokes. They're about zany neighbors who eat too much of your pizza and photogenic dogs who give you meaningful looks. And I think that, Mitch Hedberg, in some way, was too funny for sitcoms.
3: It's funny you say that too. That sitcoms aren't about jokes because me and Craig yeah. have been doing. Uh, we've done a couple t- a show called TV Time Capsule on Patreon, yeah, where we watch a bunch of old like sitcoms and shit, and particularly we call it the Two Broke Girls game now where we'll watch particularly a CBS sitcom, we notice it with most, where they don't have conversations. Every line is set up punch, set up punch, set up punch, and with the laugh track in between all of them. And it's a bizarre way to write dialogue, but you would think Mitch Hedberg would be perfect for that. (laughs)
0: Well, the thing is, is that Mitch Hedberg never really had a, a voice. He didn't really have, like, a, a place he was coming from. And that's what screwed them up. Like, you know, he's not Tim Allen. He's not Tool Time. Right. You know, right. So, so there wasn't, like, a thing that they're like, oh, when you think of Mitch Hedberg, you think of, oh, I'm lost drug use, I guess, which would good <laughs> yeah. with God. But Wait, yeah, so it's
3: strange because guys like that usually, like, you see a guy like Nate Bargatze getting pretty famous now. Uh, As a clean comedian, Jim Gaffigan has had amazing success. Guys like that are usually able to find some kind of role, but I think because of Mitch's personality, and he seems so much like a drug addict, (laughs) like he's wearing purple sunglasses and he has that like you know kind of heroiny way of talking. (laughs) I didn't watch that '70s
0: show. I'm not a big sitcom fan, right? But that's like the perfect. Spot for him is just kind of like a role. What was he like a cook or something on that show? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, and he looks like
3: he looks like that era. Yes, exactly. So that
0: that worked for him, right? Because he's not going to change his
3: style. Obviously, I I think of a lot of like Stephen Wright. He's incredibly similar to Stephen Wright, but with like a jazz type of twist. Like he's cooler than Stephen Wright ever seemed. Yeah, but he has that same style.
0: His first comedy album, he actually had an upright bass player just laying down walking bass lines as he's telling jokes. Right. So, yeah, he's definitely a, a cooler cat than yeah. Steven Right was. But he right. was
3: like he did deal with a lot of anxiety and that probably led to a lot of the drug use and things. But they said even in his Comedy Central Presents that, like I said, was super popular. And that's what a lot of people knew and discovered him from. But they said during the, like, it's obviously cleaned up. So you don't notice this um, in the edited version, but like during the actual set, he started bombing and it got to the point where he like sat down on the stage and just stopped talking. And I have he was the, able to eventually win the crowd back, but they didn't put any of that on comedy central.
0: Yeah. I have the DVD that has the unedited version. So I've watched this Oh, He really? goes out and bombs
2: for the first 10, 12 minutes. They have yeah. actually aired it before. I have seen it as well.
0: Oh really? yeah. Yeah. It's, Interesting because he ended up doing like 40 minutes for a 22 minute long show, which is why they were able to edit it down and make it look like he had a good set. Right. He just kept going and going longer than he was supposed to. But yeah, that when I talk about the fact that their audiences just do not get him, like he was just in front of that audience that night when he was recording a special. you'd think they'd find people that would be like into Mitch Hedberg when you're recording yeah. a special, but yeah, and like I,
3: you know, like I said now there's so many outlets and uh, streaming services and everything and comedies don't have to be laugh track sitcoms anymore. So Mitch right. Hedberg if he wanted to act, I think was kind of in the wrong era. But if you look at like who he was tight with while he was alive like Doug Stanhope, David Tell, guys like that, they're they're underground comedians that have amazing respect in comedy but don't have like mainstream success and I think the fact that Mitch Hedberg was clean almost confused the industry into thinking he was more than that but i think that's where he really belonged is kind of this like a comics comic rather than any mainstream type of guy
0: yeah that's a good point david tell is the best comedian ever of all time yeah and david tell is so good at stand up that they try to put him in movies they try to give him tv shows and he doesn't shine like he does out of stage with a microphone and i think right. the same thing about Scott Stanhope same can be said, said for Mitch Hedberg, there are some guys who use comedy to transition into a career in entertainment, just like people, you know, go and get their law degree because they want to be a politician or something. They don't practice law. Whereas Mitch Hedberg, he went to be a comedian because that's what he was. He was a comedian. He just told jokes. He wrote, told jokes.
3: And that's the shallow thinking of industry, like a 1998 time, maybe was on the cover of time magazine as the next Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah. uh, I think Mitch Hedberg later said uh, The only way I'm like Jerry Seinfeld Is that I, I wouldn't mind dating that 17 year old <laughs>
2: Which that's <laughs> wouldn't
3: that. hold up now I don't think
0: but. I have a clip where uh, Howard's Talking him about how he was declared the next Seinfeld And Robin just starts goofing at him Which oh, is yeah, that. This is next Seinfeld
3: Time magazine mm.
4: Once dubbed Mitch The next Seinfeld so where's your house in the Hampton? Yeah, that didn't materialize. <laughs> what year was that? That was a long time ago. man. that was like um like nineteen ninety eight maybe. Ninety eight, yeah. And what happened? Um, well, uh, man, you know, I, I'm not cut out for that. I think it was uh, the guy was wrong, obviously. <laughs> By the way,
1: you know, the Time Magazine fired that guy. I think. <laughs>
3: yeah, what kind of prediction was that?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know, that prediction you made about the next Seinfeld, you're gone.
3: Wait. isn't it weird to hear Howard Stern being like kind of funny? It's bizarre now. <laughs>
0: going for the joke. I just did a review of Howard talking to Amy Schumer.
3: We we stole your entire segment. We played it on Blend Mike Project. Oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's there's devoid of humor. The only one who's trying to make a joke is Robin, which, which is bizarre. if you think about video. it. <laughs> the least funny person in the room.
0: <laughs> well, nowadays, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not even sure. Like Amy Schumer, holy shit, what happened to her?
3: <laughs> but yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know that Mitch uh, necessarily fit, although I did think of as I was looking through his stand up and like kind of researching some of these clips, I think I may have thought of the perfect sitcom for Mitch Hedberg. Okay, so first, Craig, if you could play uh, the joke about his neighbor that he has, I think it might be my first clip.
4: I had a property in Los Angeles and I had a neighbor. And whenever he would knock on my wall, I knew he wanted me to turn my music down and that made me angry because I like loud music. So when he knocked on the wall, I'd mess with his head. I'd say, go around. I cannot open the wall. I don't know if you have a doorknob on the other side, but over here there's nothing. Which is funny, but I wouldn't have thought of that as
3: like a real thing that happened. I would just think of a, fu- a funny thing that he thought of. Now, sure. imagine this man on the other side of that wall. Now you can play that clip, Craig. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I moved into this building when I lived in L.A. and in West Hollywood. And the superintendent goes, you're a comedian, huh? The, the guy in the apartment next, he's a comedian. And I go, what's his name? He goes, something Hedberg. Nobody knew him at this point. He, yeah. I, I go, I, I don't know who he is. So I'm sitting there one night, and I hear, like, guitar. They kept playing music, and I would bang on the wall. First of all, I go, this guy must be a hack. I hear this horrible night. guitar and people singing, and, I would, and, and he would always play his music loud, but it was paper-thin wall, so I would bang on the wall. So, uh... Then, then I found out who Hedberg was. I saw him a few months ago on Letterman. I go, I got one of the funniest guys in the world living next to me. And he came to New York to do another Letterman like a year later. And uh, somebody said, look, here's a set list. And the second bullet point on his napkin said DiPaolo. <laughs> <laughs> no. He did a joke about, do you remember he did a joke about his neighbor banging on the wall? Yeah, and, yeah. And that he was says, you. come around. That's that was you. me. No way. That was
3: God. <laughs> I think that's a sitcom in itself. Mitch Hedberg living next to Nick DiPaolo. For sure. Did that?
0: That's hilarious. I did not know that. I know that joke. I had no idea that that was Nick DiPaolo. Just fucking angry joke.
3: Nick DiPaolo banging on the wall.
0: Shut the fuck up. Well, what's, what's great about Mitch is, like, you think that he just comes up with these ideas, but I think that his jokes are mostly based on real things that happen, even though they're so ridiculous. Right. He has this one joke that I just find to be the most brilliant joke ever. He talks about how he's in his hotel room and he's laying in bed and he's tired and he thinks of a really funny joke and he has to convince himself that it isn't that funny. Cause he doesn't want to get up and have to write it down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he has, so he has a lot of brilliant jokes, but what I wonder about with Mish is like, what do you have gotten law? Lo- uh, there's a clip of uh, I have of Rogan and a talking about kind of like imitators of guys like Hedberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring up Twitter and I wonder Like he would have been great on Twitter, but he would have also gotten lost in that world because I don't think any one person would have the mind to have thought of every Mitch Hedberg joke, but collectively Twitter could have thought of, Hey, if an elevator is broken, it becomes an elevator is never broken because it becomes stairs. Like someone in the world could have thought of that. And then you combine it with some other dumb thought about target or whatever he's coming up with. You know what I mean? Like, that's the shame of guys like that. Where even guys like Jezel neck and Mark Normand that are kind of set up punchline guys. They're a little yeah. darker. Like I feel like guys like Steven Wright and Mitch Hedberg have been phased out by the internet.
0: I, I disagree. I, I would have been interesting to see Mitch in the Twitter era and how he would have done with that. But yeah, in hindsight you go, Oh, an escalator broken means their stairs seems right. pretty logical, but I don't think anyone else is coming up with these jokes because they're so, some of them are so ridiculous and simple that you think, well, how could that be funny? And then you realize that that's why it's actually funny. So I, I brought okay. another clip that I wanted to play for you because okay. uh, you, you brought up uh, Target. So apparently, according to his wife, he liked to go to Target and hang out there and write jokes. He just be, like eavesdropping on people's conversations, just walking around. Okay. Target. And this is another example of you can tell that he wrote this joke. Because he was like out there trying to like m- find mine for jokes, just out uh, in the real
4: world. Right. I tried to walk into Target, but I missed. <laughs> I think the entrance to Target should have people splattered all around.
0: Uh, there is such a dumb joke, if you tweeted that, you wouldn't get a
3: single like or retweet from that. <laughs> well, that. That's what I think of. Go look at Mark Norman's Twitter when you get a chance. Because yeah. it looks like a fucking hack among hacks. <laughs> but then if you see Norman's delivery and, like, what he does with those jokes, you're like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. He just throws every idea out on Twitter, which is, again, why I, I don't know if, like, Hedberg would have translated to the Twitter era. Cause I think there are certain things that like, we've kind of outgrown in comedy.
0: Does that make sense at all? What I'm trying to say? No, I know what you mean. Also I think that his delivery is a big part of why the jokes are funny. Right. Definitely. So I don't know that just reading them gets it across the same way. You know who else has a funny persona on Twitter is Colin Quinn. He does a similar thing where it's all very clean cut and, just nice.
3: <laughs> I always wonder when I see Colin Quinn's Twitter, I always wonder if there's a guy out there that follows Colin Quinn, just because he's a real positive uplifting yeah. guy. Oh, he, he has here. no idea about his comedy or he's like, Oh, this guy's so nice. <laughs> yeah. 15%
0: of people follow you're just like, Oh good. Colin's got something to say. Hey gang. Oh, Hey, <laughs>
2: <am I>
3: <laughs> well, since we're, since we're talking about it a little, can we play that a uh, Rogan the tell clip, Craig,
2: the Hedberg imitators. Yeah. Yeah, he
3: would have been fucking huge if he stayed alive. Just I a can few
0: only years imagine longer. the jokes that he would have had. Yeah, you know, like because he, he was he was t- probably the most prolific guy I ever met. In t- yeah, in terms of clean comedy too. Yeah, every that was joke, the other thing. He yeah. never had to go that thing like, oh, I'm doing Letterman.
4: I can I never take
0: out the fuck in the show. It's so like he he's always clean. You know? Yeah, if he
4: had fuck, it was rare. He had like yeah. one fuck every fifteen minutes or something. And he was yeah. always. And out. he didn't need it. it the, was he hot. was just oh, fuck, man. That's who he was. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he would have was, broke Twitter. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No one, no one would have been able to fuck with him. Yeah. Twitter was written yeah. for the
4: way. Yeah. His we'll jokes, his yeah, jokes yeah. are so tweetable. Someone said, "Do you say. want a frozen banana?" I said, "No, but I want a regular banana later." So yes, <laughs> it's like
0: his style was so weird, man. Uh, uh, and then there was a bunch of dudes who started sounding. Yeah, like there's a lot him. of people sound like his a, a, a lot of, of there's a lot of a lot of tell babies out there too. By well, the way, what do you do? You know.
3: Those are the ones I hear the most, by the way, as far as imitators go. Uh, a lot of Mitch Hedberg, David Tell, Bill Burr, and Brian Regan are the four names I always hear where you'll go to any open mic and there's guys like trying to talk like them or even accidentally talking like that. Yeah. Like, I think Big Jay Okerson is a very funny comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you watch him, you see a ton of a tell in just his cadence and delivery. Yeah, yeah I feel like Mitch hard. Hedberg was such an easy guy to do that with.
0: Yeah, right. The, the The thing with Mitch, though, is I haven't seen anyone pull it off because you have to have the jokes, too, not right, just the style. Right. I guess it's the same with uh, tell. But, yeah, most of the New York guys who grew up around that time steal a little bit from tell without even trying to. You can't help it. He's sure, yeah, Again, yeah, because
3: I feel like people think you're accusing them of something. Like the two I use with tell all the time, uh, because they're two of my favorite comedians, Big J Oakerson and Sam Morrill, who I think are both very funny. But if you listen to them... They sound like a tell, and that's not saying they're stealing from a tell or ripping him off or anything. You, they're just so influenced by him that it's ingrained in them, like they can't help it.
0: Right. So speaking of uh, Brian Regan, yes, uh, I thought this was interesting. I was reading up on Mitch Hedberg, and I guess near the end of his uh, career because he, he died in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and he was pretty popular at that point. Mm-hmm. He had what two or three CDs out. A D- yeah, he was D- a headliner for sure. What he did. Yeah, headliner. So fans would start requesting jokes. And like yelling out the punchlines and things. Oh, right. While he was doing comedy, he, he hated that. But it was funny because I saw Brian Regan not too long ago. And he actually did a similar thing where he went to the audience like, all right, what do you guys want to hear? And someone yelled out emergency room. And he went through and did his like a whole emergency room bit. He was like trying to remember it as he was going. I'm like, that's kind
3: of cool. I've never seen a comedian ask for requests before. It's so strange. Like I know, um, Burt Kreischer and Jim Gaffigan do like their for like hot pockets and the machine bit at like mm-hmm. the end of the set. And basically the reason they do that is to avoid people yelling that shit out. Right. But yeah, I
0: saw Dice do uh, the nursery rhymes. He had to do it like at the end, just like uh, make everybody happy. All right. You saw Dice. All right. Go home now.
3: Right. My favorite part of um the day the laughter died is when someone yells out nursery rhymes and he goes, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh,
0: Oh, another thing though, I just real quick, because yeah. it reminded me of this when talking about like, so Mitch Hedberg's jokes are so well known <laughs> that people would go to see him who knew all the jokes and, you know, wanted to be a part of the show for whatever reason. I went and saw George Carlin, which was amazing. I'm so glad that I got oh, to wow. see him before he died. And there was an asshole sitting next to me in the theater, yelling out the punchlines because, you know, Carlin always does like 50% new stuff, 50% old stuff when he's out on the road. And I just wanted to strangle this guy. Like don't sing along with the singer. When you go to a rock show, don't yell out the punchline. When you go to a comedy show, just sit and
3: enjoy it. Oh, like everyone else. I think the, the only thing worse than that is, or at least tied with that is, I uh, and Craig, I think we're both there. We actually saw uh Shane Gillis over the summer at laugh Boston. Yeah. And there's a woman behind us who didn't know the punchline. She would guess them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So it's like she she would say a thing that might obviously be coming. And it's like, lady, shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah. 50 year old birthday party.
3: But we've talked about this before on the show where I don't understand that sort of thing with comedy, like the idea of yelling out, you know, requests, because the whole idea of comedy is that it takes you by surprise. Like the reason you're right. laughing is because you weren't expecting the punchline or the story to go in that direction. So like I can rewatch comedy specials and still laugh, but never as hard as I did the first time. So it's weird to be like, I want to hear, uh, you know, Dufresne search party at two. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Cause I already know what the punchline is. Yeah. That's
0: what you call a, um, unsophisticated comedy crowd. Right. right there when you're yelling out
2: requests And yelling yeah. out punchlines I saw Gaffigan in uh, Manchester And he did Hot Pockets at the end But what he did is he kind of added stuff to it So it was a little yeah. different That's good at yeah. Least. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah So uh, he He was actually I'm surprised At how good He was and again We talk about this a lot with guys like Patrice and Geraldo like guys that died at that time Would they have been good in the podcast era Because on the surface with Mitch Hedberg I would say no But he was actually surprisingly good on Stern Yes like I kind of enjoyed his appearances when I went back and listened to them And uh, I have one clip of him actually <laughs> Giving Stern a little shit Which is pretty ballsy Because you never know how he's going to take it um, But he makes a joke about uh, This is right when Howard is moving to Sirius Like he's starting to talk about it on air and everything And um, Mitch, Berg, Mitch Hedberg
2: made uh, this joke Is this the prediction one? Yeah. I just surprised but seriously,
4: you see, I'm serious. You, you know, they say you can swear on here and I say uh um yeah, cuz uh, no one can hear it. <laughs> you can swear in the woods too. That's so true.
3: It does give me a bit of a sleepless night. And it turned out to be spot on pretty yeah. much. <laughs> wow. Well, no one's listening to Howard anymore.
0: No one is now, but when Howard went over to Sirius, obviously he brought millions of people with him. But of no, course, was, yeah. that, that, uh, that was a brilliant joke. And I was watching this appearance that Mitch had on Stern. And it was interesting because they bring him on. Of course, Artie's there. And we didn't know it at the time, but Artie was dealing with his own drug problem with heroin and painkillers and things. And they bring Mitch in and the way they bring him in is like kind of introduce him as like the guy who does drugs. Right. (laughs) And so Mitch tries to explain to him that, no, no, I got that under control. And you can hear Artie laughing at him for even (laughs) pretending that he's got his drug problem under control. Like Artie sees right through this bullshit. This is Mitch on drug use.
1: I get, the, I get the same thing. You give one guy oral for Coke and you're a drug addict. <laughs> Was that your story? I forget. Yes. Yeah. Oh, not- uh. Well, you know, I,
4: I got the drugs under control now. Do you? Yeah. You got to take them responsibly? Yeah, just, you know, just for the creative side of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, so I already
0: stopped by. I got the drugs under control. You're either on drugs or you're not. And when you're a heroin addict, you don't have it under control at any point.
3: Right. And I can only imagine Artie's thinking like, yeah, I say that too. They don't buy this bullshit yeah. here.
0: <laughs> well, this was interesting. It got so bad. And I don't know if you were going to get into the story about the surgery that uh, Mitch required or else he was going to lose his leg.
3: Yes. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that this is fat. I had no idea. I don't know if you if you knew about this beforehand. I know. But, I
3: don't really know much. I saw that that became an issue, but I don't know a lot about it. This is the first I've so heard. So basic- basically,
0: he was in an airport. I think it was Austin or something, and he was caught with heroin. Right. So he was sent to prison. In prison, they realized that because of his drug use, his leg was shot. Right. And they brought him to the hospital, and they thought they were going to have to uh, amputate his leg. That was what the, the surgeon said. Like, we, there's nothing we can do. We got to amputate it. So the Hedberg family decided to go get a second opinion from surgeons in a, a Houston area. And they said it's a long shot, but we'll, we'll give it a chance. They took muscle from his back and transferred it to his leg. And after 13 hours of surgery, Mitch was able to keep his leg. Wow.
3: Holy shit. Now that's that an though.
0: advertisement for heroin. If you, if you take heroin and that happens to you, and you're like, I'm going to continue to do that though. That must be pretty good shit right there. Just do deadless. I will say
3: if one guy could have made something about being the one legged comedian, it would be Mitch Hedberg though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but is that interesting? They talk about how he's a clean comic he could go on Letterman and just do his bit because he's a clean comic. Meanwhile, the guy is doing heroin and coke. He died having both heroin and coke in his system, you know, ODing yeah. on that. Like, the guy was a major, major drug addict and had a very squeaky kind of onstage persona.
3: Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to think about that because he is such a brilliant joke writer and joke teller with his delivery and everything. Yeah, But he also lived, like, an interesting, bizarre life, and he was a very... Silly guy, and I guess would like fuck with people. Like I heard uh, uh Stanhope and um Mitch Hedberg's wife, Lynn uh Chakrin, I think her last name is. She's also yeah. a comedian. Um but they did this like tribute for him on Sirius after he died. And it was interesting to hear Stanhope say, like, I never knew if I was friends with the guy because he was so nice to everyone. And sometimes he was just like fucking with them. Like he would fuck with younger comedians, but also be nice to them. And it was strange to watch that. But I wonder if he became like more of a storyteller, how that would have gone because he seems like such an interesting guy to, like I said, with the DiPaolo thing, that's while it's an amazing joke, it's also an interesting story. If he went in that direction. Well, it's interesting. You
0: say that I was reading about how he was very generous to younger comedians, helping yes. them out. Mike Birbiglia had mm-hmm. a special that he went out and just did for free, like flew himself out, paid for his own lodging just to like be a part of it and, yeah. and help him out. Um, so, uh, who else? Hannibal, I think Burris, Hannibal uh, Burris was another one. Yeah. Guys, right? was another guy that he helped out and, and brought up. So he was a very generous guy and extremely likable. And I think he would have transitioned well to podcasting, but with this caveat, because as much as we love Patrice and he spent many, many hours on the radio with Opie and Anthony. So we know how funny he was. Right. I think podcasting has mostly been detrimental for every comedian. That's They're probably, way over, way overexposed.
3: Well, I'm R. hearing R. Talks about way that a too lot. much. Are you sure? Yeah. talks about that where it's like, we've had to become broadcasters and we're not that now, but if they don't do it like to in fairness to comedians, like it's easy to say, well, if it's not your skill set, just don't do it. But that's how a lot of people do their promoting now. Like as much as you want to say, just don't do it. If you're not good at it, it's become part of the business where you kind of have to do that and you have to be good on social media and things like that.
0: Well, I, I think that the problem is, is that because they have to have their name out there, like they're the ones running the show and they'd be better as like the Artie Lang style third mic guy cracking wise. Right. You know, I don't I don't need a stand up. I don't need Bill Burr to try to come up with shit to talk about for two hours straight. There's nothing interesting. Right. You know, I'd rather have Bill Burr sitting next to the guy who brought all the show prep and just goofing on him or, or making fun of whatever they're talking about.
3: Right. Where like I I do think for a long time I liked Bill Burr's podcast because he can just rant for a while, but that has I think a shelf life on it. Particularly when Bill Burr's a happier guy now. He's got two kids, he loves his family, like mm. that becomes less interesting, unfortunately. So it's harder and harder to rant for an hour. But you talk about this on WATP all the time where a lot of people and I think, you know, I was probably guilty of this a lot when I was a little younger. But I think a lot of people think they can just show up and turn the mics on and shoot the shit. And that's pretty, that's Opie and Anthony syndrome, really, or tough crowd syndrome, where people watch that shit and said, oh, this is just guys busting balls. I can do that. But it's, they don't realize how difficult that is.
0: Almost nobody can do it. That's, that was the magic of Opie and Anthony, was that, I believe it was mostly through Jim Norton finding his buddies from the comedy clubs and bringing them in Mm -hmm. and all of these guys who were so good at just being able to sit there and riff and make it interesting. And it's ruined podcasting because yes, every everyone who does open mics now thinks that they can be on a podcast and riff for an hour and a half and be hilarious. And that's just not the case.
3: And that's why guys like Colin Quinn and the are so smart and maybe Hedberg would have gone this way um uh, but guys like that look at it and say like it's just oversaturated like you don't want to hear that much of me like you shouldn't be hearing that much of me and that you know is kind of a microcosm of why Mitch Hedberg is so popular i think it's because we have this limited pool of what he's done so now you can really respect it and say like, oh, th- I wish we had more of that rather than the other way around.
0: You're almost saying that Mitch Hedberg is more popular than he should be. Is kind, kind of, like, um, kind yeah. of yeah. yeah. Are you not a fan of Mitch Hedberg? Like, what, what's your take of that? I, I, I was listening to your show yeah. and when you asked me to come on here, I said, oh, I'd love to do Mitch Hedberg because I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening back to a later show and you're like, I don't want to talk about Mitch Hedberg. Like, I remember you bringing that up at one point.
3: I was oh, like, oh, no, shit. I, li- I, like I say Mitch the wrong a guy. <laughs> I like Mitch Hedberg a lot. I was very glad you suggested him. Okay. Because on my own, I was tough to find a ton of stuff to talk about. I'd rather have like a discussion about his career and right. rather than like going through his life like I've done with some other guys. Um, But what I think about Mitch Hedberg is I find him hilarious. But okay. another guy I found very funny um, was like when I was a kid, I loved Dimitri Martin. And I oh, think yeah. Dimitri Martin has had – the you know misfortune Of living <laughs> and he's still alive So people are like well what have you done For me lately you know that, That's
2: brutal and, that you know, I, He hasn't
3: put out anything in a long time that I can Think of um, But because I think that You know set up punch stuff Unless you find an angle on it like Anthony Jeselnik I think there is a, More of a shelf life to it
2: Yeah I think, I think Dimitri Martin should get on the Junk and help himself out <laughs>
3: that's what I'm saying He'd be a legend if he did that
2: What happened to that guy is he still touring I, I haven't heard that name in so long
3: Exactly but he was so popular for such a he, short time
2: He really was because Comedy Central Had him up there a lot too at some point point.
3: And that's a guy if you want to talk about influences I mean he was pretty much doing what Mitch Hedberg did and what Stephen Wright Did before like that would the next guy Should have been Dimitri Martin he was that For a minute and then it kind of got old after a while. I guess that's what I'm saying is I don't think Mitch Hedberg holds up in the way of, um, you know, I mean, George Carlin, but that's probably too much of a stretch. Like I think Colin Quinn's stuff is prolific because I think it will hold up and it's kind of commentary on what the world will be forever, where I yeah, think there's I think- a limited time where we evolve past where, where you've heard Mitch Hedberg premises a million times after it's not really even his fault. I say this about Brian Regan too, where Brian Regan's like the first comedian I ever loved. But now we've heard a lot of Brian Regan's premises 10 million times. So you almost forget what a genius he is, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. You have a good point with Colin Quinn. Cause Colin has reinvented himself multiple right. times. That's so kind of the genius of Colin. You know, he's now become the, uh, what is it? One man show thing that he does. Joe
3: DeRosa said, I always quote uh, Joe DeRosa's joke about him. He says, uh, when did Colin Quinn become a, the substitute teacher that wants to make learning fun?
0: (laughs) Right? Exactly. He's always teaching us about history and whatnot. Would, would Mitch Hedberg have gone through some type of transition? Would he have evolved into something more than just the uh, one-liner guy? I I think Uh, he did exactly uh, what he
2: was meant to do. Yes. I think so too.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I I actually love Mitch Hedberg and find him very funny. Mm-hmm. But had he lived, I always think he would have been his career would have been similar to maybe De- Dimitri Martin unless he reinvented himself. Like even a guy like uh, Norton that we all like, if you look at his early stuff, he's very angry mm-hmm. and like his style of comedy is still similar. We'll talk about topical stuff, but be able to tie it in. Uh, in a way that kind of holds up, but now he's not quite as angry. There's not as much of the sex, the, like the vulgar sex shit, but he still makes it work because he's realized like he's an older guy. Now he's lost a lot of that anger and he's been able to lean into it. Whereas I think Bill Burr is a happier guy now, but hasn't been able to evolve that. So he's still kind of this angry ranting guy on stage.
0: And Mitch actually would talk to friends about how he didn't want to have a long, prolific career. He wanted to be the Jim Morrison of stand up. Nailed it. And I think. Yeah, exactly. I think Mitch always recognized I me mean, as a drug addict, so that's probably part of it. But I think he recognized the fact that, yeah, this isn't – his style wasn't something that you're going to be George Carlin with. You're not going to go, oh, I like the 60s version of Mitch Hedberg. And then right. in the 80s, he got really good again. And then,
2: you know, it's just not that kind of thing.
3: Right, exactly.
2: I think you convinced um, me, Mike. I'm on, I'm starting to lean with you on this one.
3: Yeah, well, I think, I think what it is is I've just – uh grew is the wrong word because I don't think it's like growing, but like I changed my comedy preferences where when I was a kid, I absolutely loved Regan and Gaffigan. I watched over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I still I found Regan's last special funny uh, Gaffigan's not so much, but I became, uh, you know, a Louis C.K. fan and a Bill Burr fan and a Dave Chappelle fan and these, you know, darker, dirtier kind of guys. Uh, more angrier guys. And that became more my style of comedy, I guess is all I'm trying to say.
2: It's like everyone I, likes somebody's no one's favorite. For I think Mitch he's favorite. Yeah, I think he's some people's favorite. So, for, for example,
0: I was saying before how I was introduced to him is we went to go see David Tell and Lewis Black. And Mitch was the opening act for that. And he blew everybody away. And then David Tell came up after that. And David Tell can follow anything. He's just the funniest mm-hmm. guy. And then poor Lewis black comes up because it was, in, it was when he was doing the back in black thing on the daily show. So mm-hmm. he was right. like really hot at the time. And you know, he does his, oh, I'm so flustered by everything. shtick. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it did not work at all.
3: Following Hedberg. No. and, and he's, Lewis blacks, the perfect example of a guy that didn't really evolve. Cause like I right. kind of enjoyed Lewis's, Lewis blues blacks, angry ranting when it came out. Yep. But now that's what everyone does. <laughs> like now if Lewis Black goes on an angry rant about Trump, it's like, oh, well, everyone does that all day, every day. Right.
0: And Lewis Black actually was best in like four minute segments on the Daily Show. like at the end of the show, bring him out, about one of yellow something. I was like, OK, that's great. I don't want to watch him for 50 minutes do that.
3: Right. Does um, that have material there? But I think no matter where you stand on Mitch Hedberg, one of the things that's probably most impressive is uh, in a clip that you brought, it's Rogan and Artie talking about Mitch's drug use and his ability to uh, like just remember his act in the states that he was in
2: is yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. What was the name of that clip? That's uh, How Do You Remember
3: well, the crazy thing about him is he would do,
1: you know, an hour, 10 minutes of that. Like, how the fuck do you remember what you said and don't say yeah, when exactly. you're on heroin? No, no, no. Well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I forget shit all the time. Like I said, like I bet on the other team. Yes. With the bookie. Right. I would bet on the other team. But he was high when he was doing shows, right? And 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 at the end, the last time I saw Mitch was two weeks before he died at Stern. And then I went to go see him at Caroline's. And it was, like, you're watching this. This genius shell, this, a shell, of yeah, yeah. literally a shell. Yeah. Like, like he was, he was, you know, taking drugs from people in the audience, pills. Oh, I man. took a birth control pill once. Cause I thought it was a Viking. <laughs> <a> <laughs> I didn't have the baby. It worked, but uh, he was like scratching at the walls and shit.
3: It's amazing too. And I say this every time someone dies, when Gilbert died, Saget, Norm, I think Artie Lang has outlived all these people. Every, everybody. It's, it's, it's incredible that he's living to tell these tales, but Artie's a guy like that too, where, um, he has a brilliant memory and it's like these guys on that, that transcends heroin addicts, guys like Hedberg and Artie Lang. Well, I think to Joe Rogan's point, when you put together
0: an act and you're a comedian, this story leads into this story transitions into this bit transition to that bit. So for him, like memorizing a set, is kind of like makes sense. Like I wouldn't go back to the stuff I opened with because it leads, you know, a, a way through whereas Mitch's jokes, it seemed like he would just like pick random jokes off the top of his head right. nonstop at every show. It's like, how does he, how does he know you already did that joke and not this joke. And I have another clip on here talking about how Mitch would be forgetful because of his uh, drug addiction. This is a already fat joke.
3: Okay.
1: One quick Mitch Hedberg story. So I opened up for Mitch Hedberg like 22 years ago and he comes up to me after the show and he goes, Hey, Artie, right, man, you're a fat guy. I go, that's what he said. I go, I, I could lose a couple, but what, what are you talking about? He goes, I wrote a joke that um, uh, I can't do cause I'm not fat, but I'll give it to you. he goes goes, you know when you're a kid and they tell you to wait a half an hour after you eat before you go swimming and I'm like yeah he goes you should say you've never been swimming because it's never been more than a half an hour since you last (laughs) ate and I go that's a great joke and I I can have that joke he goes yeah so then he comes back and he was smoking a lot of weed so he comes back totally serious he goes hey man you're right that is a good joke I'll make you a deal if I gain like a hundred pounds before you do that on TV I get the joke (laughs) I'm like all right, whatever so okay so cut to like a month later I'm with Norm Macdonald having dinner with people. And Norm does that joke about me. He goes, hey, man, it's, uh, Artie's never been swimming. It's never more than a half an hour since he last ate. I'm like, where the fuck did you hear that joke? He goes, he goes, I heard a fat guy do it at the comedy store. I go, really? So I see Mitch two weeks later. I go, Mitch, what the fuck, bro? You gave me that joke. Norm said he saw a fat guy do it at the college store. So he's all fucked up. And he goes, hey, Arden, man, you know, listen, I'm sorry. You know, I I, I get fucked up a lot. I forget shit. I probably gave that to a lot of fat guys.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but you know what? So while Artie was talking, it made me real, I think it perfectly encapsulated my point. Here's what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I've done a good job explaining it. That joke, that it's never been more than 30 minutes since you ate, is a brilliant joke. When you hear a street joke, like a lot of the shit that Gilbert Godfrey used to tell, uh, or Jackie Martling, I guess, but when you hear a street joke like that, you think, boy, that's brilliant, and it's a shame whoever came up with that doesn't get credit for it. I think the type of guy that wrote those jokes or came up with those jokes is Mitch Hedberg, where in 30 years, you're going to hear a Mitch Hedberg joke and not realize it's came from him. It's just something funny that people say, whereas you could never repeat a Carlin bit or Colin Quinn or David tell and not know that it's from them. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, is his comedy is a little more generic. Yeah, he's hurt
3: by his brilliance his style.
4: Brilliance. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and actually, I have an example of that that I want to play. This is a joke that I, is, I don't think it's on any of his albums, so people might not be as familiar with it. But it's one of those jokes that I think does a good job of summing up what made him so brilliant. He takes a premise that should be so obvious to all of us and turns it into a joke that we never would have thought of. This is the pizzeria joke.
4: I went to a pizzeria, I ordered a slice of pizza. The dude gave me the smallest slice possible. If the pizza was a pie chart for what people would do if they found a million dollars, this dude gave me the donate to charity slice. (laughs) I would like to exchange this for the keep it. Oh,
2: that's great.
0: (laughs) It's brilliant because you you think pizza, you think pie chart, like this is just obvious stuff, but I I would never have come up with that in a million years.
3: That's very funny. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, is like his style of brilliance is too generic, unfortunately. I don't know. Uh,
0: So another thing that I read as I was doing some research on him, because I didn't know a lot about Mitch Hedberg's backstory. So he grew up in Minnesota, and him and a buddy decided to move to Florida to pursue uh, a career in comedy. And he says, uh, we, we drove from Minnesota to Florida. We wanted to go to Texas, but the front end alignment was bad. <laughs> 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 just, just like, a guy, you know, everything that he, that he talks about, he makes it funny somehow.
3: Um, He did. I, I had a hard time um finding a ton of like serious interviews with him, but I found one. I don't know who this guy is, but he did get a little uh deeper than I hear him get uh in some of the other stuff. I forget the names of the clips I have left, Craig. Uh,
2: But if we could play a couple of those. Oh, that guy, the, the one with pressure? Yeah. All right, let me share the screen here. And I
4: I really didn't do good on TV comedy until I was on The Letterman Show. I did a lot of shows that were like way less caliber. And I I actually had kind of bad performances on like five or six of them. And then when I finally got to the big leagues, Letterman, my first time out there, man, it really clicked hard. And that was the most pressure. So So why do you think that? Why is it that it takes that kind of uh, environment to really perform? What happens to you? Oh, because the environment is so huge that it almost makes you feel like you finally arrived. So you kind of like, you go up to the next level, you say, all right, I'm here, man, it's time to put." Down the whiskey and take it for real now. You know yeah. what I mean. I, I can't be drinking before this one now. You know. I
3: thought that was so interesting because it's such a shame. The more we cover guys like this, whether it's uh, Geraldo or um, I'm trying to think of some of like the other addicts we've covered so far, but the more you'll find clips of them. Like they know what they have to do to be successful and like get off drugs and have a clear head and everything but that kind of proves to you what addiction really does to a person where they're saying out loud what they have to do. They just can't bring themselves to doing it.
0: Yeah. It, it is interesting seeing Mitch without his sunglasses on because yeah. you don't see that very often. That's when he sees. And I, I think part of what made Mitch a drug addict was his anxiety and stage fright. Yeah, he would get up on stage in the early days and just close his eyes because he was nervous yeah. to be hey, well up they in said front they of
3: the They even that when he was wearing sunglasses, he would still close his eyes. So then, he, he, then he
2: put on sunglasses and close his eyes so people didn't know he was closing his eyes. Yeah, right. if, you, if you watch his Comedy Central special, he's always looking at the ground.
0: Yes, you could yeah. you could tell he's very frightened. <laughs> that special is not going well.
2: Yeah, and he's kind of uh, freaking out a little bit. In <laughs> That's that the thing special. a lot of people forget
3: about entertainers is because like. Mitch Hedberg seems like such a unique kind of weird guy. He has that unique cadence and everything. So you think, Oh, he's quirky. He's offbeat. (laughs) Like it doesn't even occur to you. This is a terribly nervous, anxious guy. That's probably dealing with all sorts of demons while he's telling these clean, silly jokes up there. Like, and that's the, the problem with celebrity. And now we do it so often where someone is having like a fucking meltdown on Twitter, like Will Smith, we all watch, have a nervous breakdown. sure. (laughs) And we're just like, what a piece of shit, huh gang?
0: (laughs) It's interesting. You found that uh, interview. I hope you have some more clips from that because it's very difficult to find Mitch actually opening up about himself and being serious about anything. That's the one thing about uh, Mitch is like a lot of times you have to hear it from his wife. Yeah, and find out what was actually going on because he doesn't talk about it. He's very right. guarded
2: so, and keeps I, keeps all that shit to himself for the most part. There's two more, I believe. It's one's called "Next Seinfeld," which I assume is the same topic as the one before, and uh, "Definition of Success."
3: Yeah, you let know, definitely. We heard pretty much him talk about Seinfeld, but let's hear his definition of success.
4: What would you say, what is your definition of success now? I mean, to be able to wake up when you want, that's success and be able to untuck your shirt, man. If you, if you had to tuck in your shirt and get up at a certain hour, it's no good, man. I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, when you were a cook, obviously, that's good. <laughs> I
4: great. had to tuck my shirt into my pants and wear an apron. I just, all I want to do is be able to live my day the way I want to live it, you know? Because I mean, I certainly have to get up and do some things, but if, if every day I had to get up for someone else constantly, that's not to me success unless I'm really digging it. But I can't imagine anyone digs having to give up every day for someone else you know Well, maybe if they love what they do you see that's it seems like that's most if they love what they do then getting up is not like work it's going and having fun right right but that's a different scenario they're, they're getting up for themselves and because they love what they do is what you're saying but mm-hmm. if, if if they don't love what they do then they're not getting up for themselves i just believe that that if you're doing what you if you're happy you know that's what success is about because it doesn't have to be about entertainment or making a lot of money but
3: And I thought that was so interesting just because we could look at, on paper, say like, oh, we got a deal with Fox and the sitcom never materialized. Uh, He wrote this movie, Los Enchiladas, I think it was called. Yep. That was barely seen by anybody. So mm-hmm. you can look at that and say like, oh, he failed at these things. But if you look at back at Mitch Hedberg's career, particularly by how he defines success, I think he was hugely successful. Because it's, I think, all he ever really wanted to be. Like I said, I compared him to Tell and Stanhope and these guys. I think that's what he wanted to be, was a pure stand-up. And he's one of the best ever at that.
0: By the way, that is a brilliant clip that you just played because as I'm watching that, I have not set an alarm for myself in a couple of years now. <laughs> I never tuck in my shirt anymore. I'm like, holy shit, he's right. I love that. That is what yeah. success is. Like getting <laughs> up when you want to get up and not having to dress for other people is a oh, pretty good definition. I guess I'm
3: successful then because I do that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: I you nailed it. I don't yet. It's sad. <laughs>
3: It's, it's
0: interesting when I was watching the Howard Stern interview, um, they were talking about how he wasn't successful in Hollywood and he's back on the road and he's doing stand up. and they're like, well, do you, en- do you enjoy this? Like, oh yeah, no, I love it. It's great. It's, it's all I want to do. And you know, they asked, well, can you make a lot of money? He goes, Oh, I make a, a ton of money because the it's problem is how I, just, out of I touch. spend it all the time. It's yeah. funny
3: how out of touch with stand up. like that's why Artie was a great, and I think Jim Norton served this purpose on open. We'll have you go back for an open Anthony bit <laughs> episode at some Definitely. point. Cool. But, um, I think Artie Lang was great on Stern because he was able to like bring these comics in and have an understanding of them. Because mm-hmm. I think you hear with Howard where he's talking to Mitch and he kinda just boils him down to like just a drug addict, whereas Artie yep. realizes how brilliant This guy is. Oh yeah, Artie was telling him
0: the the whole time. He's like, "By the way, this guy's brilliant." Just so you know, he's brilliant. (laughs) Because they're they're going, "What? Your Fox deal fell through? You're not in any movies?" And and I just go, "Robin, he's really funny. He's one of the funniest guys." Right. But yeah, you're right. They 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 didn't understand that that would be like what someone's goal might be is to just tour around. And Mitch was really into touring. He loved to go to cities that weren't necessarily like happening places. He always thought that like people who live in smaller cities should still see great comedians come through. And he encouraged other comics, like don't just do the store and live in LA, like get out in in the rest of the world and and go uh, tour around.
3: I've thought about that too, where like, in a dream, this is just fantasies. I don't think it's going to happen for me anytime soon, but I'd love to like open a comedy club or a bar slash comedy club or something like that. And I always think, wouldn't it be cooler to do it like in the middle of nowhere or not the middle of nowhere, but like a smaller town in Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something where there isn't, where there aren't things like that. And then it just boils down to like, as a business, would that work? But it would be, it's a, great idea to have i think
0: <laughs> yeah when, whenever you're looking at and we'll call it retail for the sake of argument right. whenever you're looking at opening up a retail location you always want to be as far away from people as possible right yeah it's always the. Best. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea buddy let me know where i can invest in this yeah. i want Thank to be a backer you. we'll do a WATP live
2: show there <laughs> why are you laughing so, we'll open <laughs> it's a gr- great idea. Great idea. Yeah, you're,
0: you're uh-huh. like, no, you'll love it. There's no competition
3: at all. There's no other comedy club anywhere near this place. Yeah. It's great. We'll hook the eight people that live there, and they'll be regulars. <laughs> it would actually, yeah. it
2: would actually be a great idea. Have why are you laughing? To a subject before uh, WATP and then the same subject can be done and you can destroy it right afterwards.
0: Right. Or, better yet, you guys do Why Are You Laughing and then we come up and we review the show that you just did. Yes. <laughs> that here's well, here's yeah, clips, where all shit. This, this is where Mike has no idea where the conversation's going. He has <laughs> to lean on Craig. Craig's the only one who's paying attention to <laughs> <laughs> I
3: love it. It's a good idea. That'd be brutal. I think the perfect marriage is we just do a show where we talk about how much we love Tom Myers and then you guys <laughs> shit on him for now.
0: <laughs> oh god, you guys got to do a Tom Myers episode of this.
3: So, uh, I think I think we have we have an idea for that. I think that might happen. Cool.
2: That's yeah.
3: Um I think I think we played all my clips for Mitch Hedberg, right, Craig?
2: Uh, I think you guys had overlapping ones cuz uh we had the no good sitcom ideas.
3: Yeah, okay. yeah, we had a few that overlapped. And Anything else uh, you wanted to play Carl that we didn't get to? No, that was everything that I had. I didn't want to just
0: come on here and play a bunch of Mitch's jokes that everybody's heard before. I'm assuming anyone listening to this is pretty familiar with uh, Mitch Hedberg's uh, comedy. If you're not, I couldn't recommend more getting his albums. Oh yeah. They're, great for a road trip they're great like if, if you're hanging out in a car with family or friends that you're sick of talking to yeah this is a great thing to pop out and just laugh along
2: with his special super easy listen yeah, his, it, yeah
3: like he's there's no good format in particular like you could listen to an entire album or just like two jokes
2: on youtube or whatever like right it's so easy to take in mitch Hedberg. his specials probably have the most jokes in them also
3: I would bet yes. that's true. Like I said, yes. the only guy that I I always think of Stephen Wright and the, the guys I you know Dimitri Martin I brought up Jeselnik Normand, guys like that. But they're slightly more long form. Like Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright are the only two I can think of that successfully just cram in jokes. Like even Regan and Seinfeld are more
2: conversational. Well, yeah, he enough. does. He does an hour, and each joke's like nine seconds.
3: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, boys. So Mitch Hedberg, like I said, one of the most requested comics, um, uh, that we've had. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And like Carl said, if you haven't heard him, go check him out. But more importantly, let's support the living for Christ's sake. <laughs> <Go> support, <laughs> yeah. uh, I need to eat every day. People <laughs> go to the WATP live show in Nashville. If you can make it, um, where can they find tickets for that Carl? It's a W-A-T-P
0: live.com. You can also go to who are It has all of our episodes up there and a link to the live show. And uh, as well as a link to our Patreon. We do two exclusive bonus episodes every single month on Patreon. I just did yesterday, I haven't put it out yet, but producer Chris came over. And we listened to uh another twenty-five minutes or so of Stuttering John's autobiography. <laughs> easy for you to say. We've been we've been going through that book uh, piece by piece. And this is the fifth installment of that. So yeah, you're A lot Stuttering of fun John stuff. stuff. Right, John. If you
3: I mean, particularly if you guys are old Howard Stern fans or whatever, go listen to Carl. His breakdown of Stuttering John has amused me endlessly for the last few months. <laughs>
0: We, we cover stuttering John because the guy is a wool cow. He can't get out of his own way. And everything he does is funny. And then we also cover Opie because Opie from Opie and Anthony is a guy who he has all the resources in the world and refuses to use them.
3: <laughs> and has just done so little with so much. It's unbelievable. Oh, let me ask you this, Carl, before you get out of here. Um, we're not, so I was on your show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, And I had originally suggested to you A podcast that no longer exists now That's how rapidly the world changes um, At a theater near me Which is my pal Chris Clemmer Who's been on this podcast And I I did of course plan on making fun of it But I also did it under the guise of like It's free promotion Which I mean (laughs) that because Sure it may sound like bullshit But the way I mean that is if stuttering John or Opie like leaned into what you guys are making fun of and like, acknowledged it and played around with it, you'd be done making fun of it. Well, like honestly, there been people that you've made fun of that are like, Oh, we get the joke. We're in on I, it.
0: I was just going to say that. So uh, there's this guy, Doug from Who's right who reached out to me, told me to review his podcast years ago. We goofed on him, and now he's a friend of the show, Dick Masterson from The Dick Show. There's been a number of people who, it's even Kaya um, from the official podcast, a number of people who we goofed on them. They got the joke, they laughed along with us, and now they're part of the show, and they come on and do guest spots and stuff. So, yeah, there's there's a way to roll with this that makes it fun for everyone. A lot of people haven't figured that out, but some
3: have. And I'm amazed at the amount of people that you guys have done that don't, get that that even if you're (laughs) furious about it even if you hate Carl it's easier to just go oh I get what they're saying like they're just having a good time you know
0: we just did a show called mom swipes left these middle-aged women who are just uh, it's unlistenable and they did a whole rebuttal to our review. And they like, just did not get it. Just did not understand like, oh, Carl's the authority on what po- good co- podcasting is. He knows everything. It's like, no, but everything that I told you is true. You suck. And here are the reasons why.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I don't know what podcast you're talking about, but I, I do know they have a great after show on YouTube. I've heard. Tom
2: swipes after the, the potato guy. <laughs> I,
3: I assume that's going to be a new regular now on WATP. I'm surprised Dude,
2: mom <laughs> swipes left isn't taking off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure. Um, and listen, I know Carl has a Patreon, but if you're going to subscribe to any Patreon, maybe make that the second one you subscribe to after Patreon.com/slash/BlindMike for exactly, God's sake. Because yeah. if you're not subscribed there, then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. We don't need you. Get out of here.
2: This came out a I week ago. Know.
3: You get a, you get these episodes a week early as well as uh, bonus episodes of the Blind Mike projects and all sorts of other nonsense that we do back there. So patreon.com slash blindmike. You can hear Craig on Very Good Show. You can. Is that
2: the only place we can hear you? Uh, there's like 16 shows I'm a part <laughs> of somehow now.
3: Yeah, go find Craig Coney. He's uh, the hardest working man in showbiz. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, let me
0: give a quick shout out to uh, Doug White. Who right. does uh, a lot of the audio production, uh, songs and things for these podcasts? Who was messaging me that he loves the show? I believe that he is a, uh, a Patreon supporter
2: of the Blind Mike Project. Oh, and, thank you, Doug. You're the uh, mess. Yeah. I think he we was, actually uh, talked to uh, talked to him last show. He
3: yeah we we got we got at least one WATP fan subscribing. I, yeah. I knew that. So that's nice. nice. Shout out, Doug. <laughs> All right, I've done my job. The th- <laughs> amazing thing about Carl's podcast is the sheer amount of people he has who like know what they're doing. You have producer Chris on every episode. Yep. You have, uh, you know, Jen in the jingles department working on the show. You have uh, guys like Kroge and Vinny that are always prepared. I can't find one single person that will prepare <laughs> for this show. Jesus.
0: Isn't that amazing? Like <laughs> I, I, I go around Hurtful. and I get people to come on the show. Like Jim Florentine we had on the show, Anthony Cumia we had on the show. Like, and I'm not trying to just like name drop, but we've had like really great people co-host. And everyone in the in the Reddit and on discord. is just like, Carl, we just want to hear Croge and Andy and Vinny. <laughs> it's like, really? Okay. Well,
3: that's easier on me. So cool. <laughs> it's funny. I suggested to you, um, I would the first time I was on, so uh, KMS, the show that I guest on a couple times a week, um, a couple years ago, I think when I worked on the show still, they would, we would make fun of uh, the Jim Florentine podcast. Mm -hmm. Cause it's very, if you go and listen, it's very, I also like Jim Florentine, but it's very easily mockable. So I suggested that to you and with a couple other names. And you go, I think you mean Crystalia, right? And I was like,
2: yeah, let's do Crystal.
0: <laughs> well, Jim actually suggested that we do his podcast. I think it's really funny. Now, the way that Jim does his podcast, you're not you're not a fan, Craig. Oh, it's bad. It's the bad. way that Florentine does his show, there's so many pregnant pauses. Yes, I would never do that personally. That's you the problem. Yeah, there.
3: yeah. There's a lot of pauses, and there's a lot of like him going. Really? Really? (laughs) And so like if you're just listening to that for the first time, you're like, what the fuck is this?
2: (laughs) Jen messaged my show. Really?
3: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, go listen to Who Are These Podcasts. Subscribe to their Patreon. Subscribe to ours. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time on Why You Laughing.